Psalm 127. It says here, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word tonight, and we think of the great need in the world for fulfilling the great commission, rescuing souls from an eternity in hell, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to find out what we can do to make a difference in our own lives. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I think the key to fulfilling the Great Commission and having a family that puts uh, missionaries out there is to have a family that aims their children to live for God. Whether that be going to the mission field or being a church member right here in America, or being a pastor or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher. So look what he says here, except the Lord build the house. If God doesn't do it, it's a waste of time. As a Christian family, and uh, we've got a lot of Christian parents here today, you know that your time as a Christian parent hasn't produced what it wants if your kids don't live for the Lord when they grow up. And we need God to do that. We can't do it ourselves. And notice what it says here. It says, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, that is the person who is in the flesh doing their best to raise a family that's productive. He says, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. This is a family that's trusting in their own ability to make their family go, make their kids be productive citizens someday. He says, the, the answer is, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Notice it's a reward, by the way. In our society, if you've got six kids, you're kind of looked down on for being, you know, filling up the world and population uh, explosion and all that kind of stuff. And they've never driven through Iowa, but I don't think. These, guys, these are guys that are stuck in San Francisco, and they never drove through the cornfields of Iowa to see all the empty land. Thankfully, at least they're doing something with it in Iowa, you know, growing corn and soybeans and whatnot. But you get my point. Children are a reward. Not if you're living for money, though. What he, says, what he says next is important. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. So children are like arrows. 
Now, if you're a child here, 18 or below, or still at home, 20 or below, whatever you are, still a child, still under your parents' authority, you are like an arrow. An arrow is a useful tool in battle. We're in spiritual warfare. Our children are, you know, they're not listed in Ephesians 6 as part of the armor, but they're, they're one of our battle weapons, you know. If you're in a battle, you don't normally take an arrow and just let it go wherever it goes. You normally aim it and try to hit the target. And if, if the target is a long way off, you have to sit there and really focus and you got to aim a little bit high. You know what I mean? Aim a little bit high because that arrow is going to drop a little bit. With kids, you got to aim a little bit high too. You, you don't just say, hey, I'm just going to teach my, I'm going to put my kids in Christian school or I'm going to homeschool them and I'm going to teach them everything that's good and hope they turn out right. You got to do more than that. You got to aim them. You got to aim them to serve the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if they do, you're going to be rewarded. Verse 5 talks about that. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. They're going to be influential people in society. There's a, an example in the Bible of a man who didn't do this. This was a man that had a choice earlier on in his life, and his uncles gave him a choice. You can go this way or you can go that way. I'll go the other way of whichever way you choose. And his name was Lot. And the Bible says he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now, he just started with his tent door opening. He'd get up in the morning, and he opens his tent door, and there he sees Sodom. And then eventually, he thought, you know, it'd be a little bit easier, I'm just guessing, but, you know, it'll be a little bit easier to live inside of Sodom. I don't have to travel every day to get there. So he moved into the city, and pretty soon he, he started being successful, became a businessman, and that meant he had to go to the gate of the city. And he had to speak with the elders in the gate. And he started, he might have even been a politician because he was there. And he, he moved up in the ranks. But his kids weren't Christian. His kids weren't righteous. When the angels came to warn Lot to flee from the city, his sons-in-law laughed at him. His daughters and his wife didn't want to go. The angels had to grab them and take them out of the city, and his wife was so ungodly that she turned back because she missed the world so much, and she turned into a pillar of salt. His daughters were so wicked that they committed immorality with their father because he didn't take the time to raise up his children for the Lord, to train them up. And he was as far as we know, a believer. The Bible talks about just Lot. There's another family in the Bible, a woman in particular. Her name was Hannah. 
She didn't have a child. She longed for a child. There was a bit of jealousy and competition going on in that family. We won't get into it all. But she went to the synagogue, or not the synagogue, the tabernacle, and Eli the priest was there, and she fell down before the Lord, and she cried out to God, God, I, I want a child. If you give me a child, I'll dedicate him to you. He'll be yours, Lord. So eventually the Lord answered that prayer, gave Hannah a son, called his name Samuel, and when he was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle. And we know she did something right because I want to I look now at 1 Samuel 3 and I want to see something about Samuel. So Samuel, he is now living with the priest, the high priest, Eli, he's an elderly man. He had sons of his own, but his own sons weren't living for God. They were wicked, they were immoral, they were thieves. And Sam, uh, Eli would scold them, but he, he wouldn't lay down the law. He just, you know, he scolded them, what you're doing isn't good, don't do it, but he didn't stop them. He had the power to stop them, but he didn't. But this young man, Samuel, was living for God. And it says there in verse 1, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Isn't that kind of like the time in which we live today? We've got a lot of Bibles. We've got a lot of preachers. We've got a lot of pastors. We've got a lot of uh, independent Baptist churches, thousands of them. We don't even know how many there are in America. Yet... Our country is going downhill spiritually, and it's wicked. It's, it's just, it's unbelievably wicked. We can't even figure, you can't even fathom how wicked our country is when one of our Supreme Court justice appointees is too afraid to give the answer of what a woman is. So we know something's wrong. It says, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Eli was to be the man that God used to give God's people his message. We've got lots of pastors today. Their job is to lead God's people in the right way. And we've got lots of missionaries, and that's what our job is. Unfortunately, there's many churches today that's not happening. And many families where the father is not opening up the word of God to his family and saying, here's God's word, should be done every day. If you look at the book of Deuteronomy, not just every day, in everything we do, our children should be taught the word of God. When we lay down, when we rise up, when we eat a meal, even on our doorposts of our house, you know, it should just be enveloping our life, the word of God, and it wasn't in the days of the judges. And Eli was the, one of the last judges and uh, he wasn't doing the work of God like he should have been. But this young man, Samuel, says it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see and ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep 
that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered. Now, stop right there. Somebody must have trained that boy. Because when you're in bed at night and your parents call you, how many times do they have to call before you get out of bed? How many times do they have to call before you groan, you know? First time they call, probably what happens is you grab your pillow and you turn over and go like that, you know? But not Samuel. Samuel said, here am I. And he, then he ran unto Eli and said, here am I. So he said, here am I twice, and he ran. Isn't that what kids ought to do? Now, we are all children, aren't we? Children of God. I want us to see, number one, if you want to be used greatly by God as, as one of God's people, you need to be willing. You got to be willing. Wasn't Samuel willing? As soon as he heard the voice of God, he thought it was Eli. He said, here am I. Now, children, that's what you ought to do when your parents call you. That's what I'm teaching my children. They're not perfect, but we're teaching them, here am I, here I am. And then I, and then I teach them to come to me, and then they're supposed to say it again. Here, here I am. You called me. What, what do you want me to do? That's what we ought to do. And for God, we're all God's children. If, if you're saved, if you're not saved, you can become God's ch child. But if you're God's child, you need to be willing. Here am I, Lord. But let's notice this a little bit more. Look at what happens next. He ran to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. So Samuel didn't know it was God talking. Otherwise, he would have said, here I am, Lord. But he didn't know God yet. He hadn't met the Jehovah yet. But here, he, here is God calling again. And God calls Samuel the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Now that's something that's, this is just kind of a bonus here, but that's something important for parents. If God is calling your child, can you perceive that in their lives? Or are you too busy preparing them for what you've got planned out for them. It'd, it'd be easy for us as parents, hey, I want my kids to do this, this, and this, and that's an African way too. You know, have my kids go to university, have them do this, have them do that, so that they can take care of me when I'm older, or so that they can be successful when they're older, but what about God? Here am I. Here am I to God. And Eli did perceive that. Unfortunately, he didn't perceive that very well in his son's lives. But he did perceive it, and he said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he call thee that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Secondly, if you want to be used by God in this day and age of spiritual barrenness, 
not only do you need to be a willing servant, but number two, you need to be an obedient servant. Now, this is very basic, but I think we need to just stop and think about it. Being, surrendering your life to the Lord is not enough. Saying, Lord, my life, you know, you might have been at this altar before and said, I surrender my life to the Lord. For me, it was when I was 12 years old. I said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. When I was 13, I heard God calling me to missions. And then I got off track. Then I got other ideas in my head. You know, it takes more than just being surrendered. It takes obedience, doing it. You know how many guys I know that were called into missions, but they're not doing it? You know how many guys have been called to be pastors or Sunday school teachers or deacons or church members, but you look next to you and they're not there anymore? Because the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And when we walk in the flesh, we get other ideas in our head. And Lack of faith says, hey, I can't do it. But Samuel understood not just the willingness, but he understood the obedience. And so the Lord came and stood and called us at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, speak, for thy servant heareth. He obeyed. He did what Eli told him, and he heard God's message, and God told him a message that was pretty unpopular to the guy it was intended for. Not, not, the, the, not the most wonderful message. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of every one that heareth it shall tingle. So number three, if you want to be used by God, not only should you be a willing, obedient servant, you need to be a truthful servant. That is what we need today. We need men of God who will be unafraid to tell the message of God for today. Not the message of God for 20 years ago. Not the message of God for 50 years ago or for the world, the world in general, but for God's people. That's where it's hard. You know, we can preach to the choir and ever here, you know, here, there's lots of pastors, they, they do that. And, uh, they, they preach to get an amen. And, and amens are great, but it's when you hear, oh no, that you know you're getting somewhere. I remember being at church once and some guy said, oh no. Yeah, that's where the conviction is coming. We need truthful servants. And it says right here in verse 18, and Samuel told him, that's after Eli said, hey, what did God tell you? Samuel told him every wit every bit of the message and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. Jesus had an unpopular message. John the Baptist had an unpopular message. John the Baptist had his head chopped off. The 12 apostles, all of them except one, were martyrs and that one didn't have an easy life. And... We can go out throughout church history, all the men of God that he greatly used, there, there was a price to pay. But they paid that price, and because of it, God used them. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. 
And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord appeared again in Shiloh. That means there was a lot of darkness for a while. Eli lived a long time. There was darkness in the land, spiritual darkness. We've got that today in America. It's been a long time since America has had any real revival, real nationwide revival. And that's why we are where we are today. We need a great awakening in America. We desperately need it. If you, if you think, oh, we don't really need it that bad, oh, wake up. We really need it. But we can have it. God's people will be willing to be used. And it says right there, the reason why the Lord appeared, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. You can be that person that God uses to make a difference. Whether you are the mother that rocks the cradle of the next Jonathan Edwards, or you're the father that gives the spanking to the next Jonathan Edwards, or you are the wife, or you are the man himself. You've got to be willing, obedient, truthful, and then God can.